0: Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. So Genesis 2, we've read it a lot. We know that story pretty good. Um, but it's Adam and Eve's story, right? And, and, and we all, like if I, I think if I said to you, let me give you a synopsis of the story. God decides to make us after he's made everything else he reaches down he grabs some dirty forms a man he says let us make man in our image he breathes life into adam he calls him adam he gives him a name then he makes Eve and he pulls Eve out of his rib and he brings all these animals and he says, Adam, I want you to subdue the earth and I want you to name all these animals and I want you and Eve to live all over it. And God, But here's the one thing that you guys can't do. Adam and Eve, you can't do this. You can't go to the garden and eat of these two, two this tree right here. If you do that, it's gonna be bad for everybody. And then God leaves and then the serpent comes and chases Eve down and says, listen, did God really say that? And she says, I'm not sure. And then he gets her to sin and then she gets Adam to sin and then God comes back and Adam blames her. And she blames the snake, and God knows who's in charge. So He blames everybody, and and then He redeems it, and He and He sets them on a new path. But He bans them from the garden. Like I, you, most of you guys would probably go, "Yep, yeah, that's the story, right?" But that's not the story. That's not the story at all. Like that's the flannel board story from Sunday school, but that's not the story. Because my God is a God of order, and the order of the details. Matter. What I I saw this week that I'd never seen before is that we think Adam and Eve went through this, but Adam and Eve didn't go through this. Adam and the woman did. Do you guys realize that Adam doesn't even name her until after the restoration? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the power of a name. I believe that if you are named and defined, what you have been that you will never realize who you can be. And so today we're going to talk about the power of a name. We're going to talk about Adam's story. We're going to read through Genesis, the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. And we're going to see what the Lord might say to us. So let's start in chapter 2, verse 19, if you've got it. We've got it up on screens. Um, but it says, on the ground, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. Isn't that funny? Out of the ground? I just saw that. We think we're unique. No, he made the he made cows out of the same dirt he made man. The difference is he put his breath in man. That's the, that's the differentiation. Out of the ground the Lord made every beast and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever call whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Now listen, I want to- I wanna we're gonna we're gonna just stop because the verse before this and i should have said 18 it's my fault so verse 18 this is what verse 18 says the verse 18 says that god looked around and there was no suitable helper for adam so it's an important starting spot because we think that adam did all this work and then god looked around there was no suitable helper so he made eve but there was no suitable helper so god brought him pets God, listen, God gave him a job and brought him friends to play with. That's what he did. That's what the Bible says. And what that tells me... This this isn't even in the notes, but it's so good. I'm I'm sort of feeling it right now. So this is free. What that tells me, men, because men, this is a, this is a, Adam woke up to a job and men get tied up into what we do. And I, I know that better than most because what I do keeps changing. And I'm, God is always teaching me about this word identity by changing what I do so that I can't ever get comfortable in one thing because he doesn't ever want me to get comfortable in one me. And so what he does for Adam is he looks around and there's no suitable thing for Adam to do. So he gives him a task. And the Bible says that he did all those things. So he named all the animals, he, all the birds of the sky, and it says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. The last... The last one of those verses God said it is not good for man to be alone let me bring everything I've created to him and give him a job but no suitable helper was found for Adam now let me ask you a question who was shocked by that surely not God God set Adam off on a task that he knew would fail he said, There's n- it's not good for him to be alone. Adam, name everything, and whatever you call it, that's what it'll be. What if Adam had found a-, a goat that he really, really liked? He was like, this is the best goat I've ever seen. And he said, you know what? From now on, goat, I'm going to call you friend. What if-, what if he had looked at that goat and he said, I'm going to call you companion what if, what, if, what if you go, were going to come to me and walk alongside of me and keep me company and, and I'm going to call you joy? Whatever he called it, that's what it would have been. But Adam didn't see anybody he could call helper. And so he failed. He failed. At the first thing God asked him to do, he failed. I don't know about you, but I've done that. I have failed at the first thing God called me to do, and the second thing, and the third thing, and the fourth thing. And I've been so, con- so confused because I was so convinced. And how could I be so wrong about something that was so sure in my spirit? And, w- and what I realized even this week is that success is not an indicator of calling. This is the fifth variation of this church. This is the 19th variation of your pastor that I know. I knew him when he was a child. And what if he would have stopped as a child? He'd still be dating some heathen Egyptian girl. I don't know. Man, I hope she's not watching. I hope she's not watching. He'd he'd still be locked up. He'd still be fighting in a, in a household that he wasn't called to. He'd still be uh, maybe following some other pastor around, hoping to catch his books and some of his anointing one day. This, he didn't stop where God had him. He just kept failing forward. What, what God shows us through this very first thing that he does with Adam, and I think it's important. I, this is why I love Genesis. Let me say this. This is why I love Genesis. I, because Genesis isn't meant to be history. You guys realize that Genesis is not the account of how God made man. Genesis is the the account of how God entered into man's life. And I'll prove it to you. Everybody wants to say like, man, you know, did the whole world come from Adam and Eve? Nope. The Bible says so. I'll prove it to you. There's a couple more verses we're going to read in a second. But before there's even a woman. Well, as Adam wakes up, he says, "I'll call her woman because she'll be bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh." And for this reason, men will leave their father and mothers. There weren't children. How did he know what fathers and mothers were? Because there were other men. Adam. Adam was. Adam was the first person that God walked with. He was the first man that god intended with purpose and put joy in his heart and put him in a garden where all of his things were but adam had knowledge outside of adam's ability and the only way you get that is from observation and a theologian out there can write in okay comment tell me i'm wrong it's fine you can't defend it either (laughs) this is the first thing i realized from this story is that no assignment pass or fails without purpose there is no assignment without purpose It wasn't God that was surprised by the lack of success. It was Adam. And we don't like this next statement, but I'm going to tell you it's true, that sometimes your God will walk you into trouble instead of through it. Sometimes, sometimes God will walk you into a storm just for the lesson, and he doesn't, you, you're not going to buke that storm. You can't rebuke it, and you can't re-rebuke it. Like There's no buking of the storm to be done because the storm is the point. And the only thing stopping you from riding out the storm is the, is the gap in your knowledge. Jesus told the disciples when they woke him up in the storm, if you knew who was in the boat with you, this wouldn't even be an issue. You wouldn't wake me up because of the storm because you know the storm can't kill me. There was, the only thing between your ability to walk through whatever God's called you into is the knowledge gap between your understanding of who God is God has called us mostly into stuff. Now, we don't like that statement. We want to say that can't be true because we're the head and not the tail. We're blessed in the city and in the field. And everything that comes against me shall kneel down to the power of God. But what happens when the power of God is causing the storm? What happens when you get the phone call that says that you don't have a job anymore, but that was God? And you're going to start rebuking the devil for God. Like, quit giving him credit for stuff God's doing. I told you I wasn't going to shout. I'm going to try not to. But I felt like y'all should have on that one. <laughs> Genesis 2.21. This is just the next. Like that, Y'all, I've, I've taught one verse. I can't, I can't do that all day because uh, we would be here all night. Genesis 2.21 says, So the Lord God calls man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. He looked all around the world all around the world brought him everything. And Adam even had a chance to whatever he said it was going to be, it would be. He brought everything to Adam. And then when Adam did not call something helpful, God said, well, I'll put you to sleep. How many of you know it's in the quiet places that God sometimes does the best surgery? Sometimes he has to put us to sleep, make us unaware of what he's doing. And for, for a lot of people, they say, well, I just don't see the Lord moving. You never see anything when your eyes are closed. It's, it's in the places where I didn't know God was moving, that he was cutting the most out of me. It was when I could look around and see nothing. It felt like I was blind, like I was dark. And I, all I had was a peace that I knew God was doing something that God did the most things. It's in my sleepiness. It's in my being put to sleep that I give God permission to do his work. But here's what I, here's what I know is that if it doesn't come from inside of you, then it cannot be suitable for you. There was nothing available to Adam that was suitable to be a helper found outside of his entire existence. And so God said, I know it's because what I need to teach you, this is not for Adam's benefit. God knew all along where he was going to get woman from. He knew all along. He didn't. Adam failing to find something helpful was not a shock to God. So God had, God's plan B for Adam was plan A for God. And so he knew exactly where he was going to pull this out of. So what he's trying to teach Adam is the same thing he's trying to teach us, is that if it doesn't come in from inside out, then it's not suitable for outside in. Here's the thing. And and, and God tells us the same thing in the New Testament. He says, I'm going to take your heart. Of stone out and I'm gonna put a heart of flesh back in because I can't change you from the outside in I've got to take what was inside and change it all together so that you can now take what's inside of you and put it out I told y'all I ain't gonna shout don't play that piano cuz I'll start <laughs> I saw you getting ready now I was like if he does this I'm gonna lose it and we all gonna run a lap and I ain't but going through two verses don't do it yet God cannot start a work on the outside. He always starts a work on the inside. It's easy to say what a thing is, it is an entirely different thing to know its purpose. This is Adam's second failure. The man said, This is chapter, this is chapter two, verse twenty-three. The man said, This is my bone, flesh of my flesh. And he said, So I will call her woman because she was taken out of man. I've got so I got a lot to say about this verse. And it's a it's a it's a short verse. This is one of those verses that'll sneak up on you because you just read over it because you're like, oh you know why we read over it? We read over that verse because we treat it like it's a dictionary term. Because it's as interesting as being in the dictionary. I'm going to define her. I'm going to call her a woman because she came out of me. Because she came out of me, I'm going to call her a woman. And that's the extent of that. And we just run right by that because that's the definition that he gave her. But it's easy to define a thing. It's an entirely different exercise to know its purpose and give it a name. See, if the enemy can get you to trade definition for intention, He wins. See, intention is what you call something when you have a purpose for it. I intend this for that thing. That's why. I, that's why I, uh, I'm, I'm I'm a big believer in naming your seed when you sow into a church that, or you sow into another person. So when I when I want to start a consulting agency, I'm going to go sow into. Dr. John Maxwell and I'm going to go listen to him and sit under him and I'm going to spend my time and my energy and my purpose and my intention on watching how he does what he does because I'm not just going to say I'm going to define myself I'm going to purpose myself and that's the difference is you have to have intentionality when you have purpose and it's a it's one thing it is a very easy thing to define something but it is a entirely different animal to give it purpose And God said, Adam, I want you to call things one thing. And what you call them, they will be. And Adam didn't do it wrong. He called her woman because she came out of him. But the word to be is progressive. It's the, same, it's the same word when you translate them from Hebrew to Greek. It's the same word that we read, and he gave them power to become sons of God in John. It's the same way. It's, it's the, I, whatever you call it, it will be. It will continue to be. And he said, she came out of me. She'll continue to just be something that's a part of me. So he tied her she has no history. She wakes up at the same time he wakes up. They look at each other and he says, I'm going to call her woman. She has such a little past. She has one experience and that's waking up to her new definition. That's the only thing. And so what that tells me is that no matter how good or bad, long or short your past is, is that any name that gets put on you that's anchored to your past is not suitable for your future. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the name. I don't care if you're a trust fund baby and you've got a great last name here in the city of Greenville, and your floor or you're, you know one of the other like big time names in my in my city. It would be uh, you know Clawson or or uh, you know one of the one of the names in Augusta that are like famous at the national. One of those names. Like I don't care how good your name is. If it's attached to what has come before you, it will never take you to what's next. It just won't. And the enemy can stop your future by keeping you from getting the correct name. The man said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman for she was taken out of man. Your past is no predictor of your calling. It can't be. I can give you, I'm going to give you a bunch of examples, but it just can't be. Now, so I wish I had, we're going to get to chapter three now, and I'm only going to use two verses in chapter three, and I'm not going to talk about any of the restoration, because if I did, we seriously would not get out of here before lunch. But this is Genesis 3.1. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Not to the man, to the woman. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? That's an important verse. Because she didn't know. Because God gave that command before she was alive. And Adam said, she'll come from me. She'll be locked to her past. And she had no idea how to answer a question about her future. Here's, here's the thing, is that God said that to Adam. Second-hand revelation will always fail you. You, you, can't, you can't come and hear this today and be like, man, that was good. He taught a good word. And go out... And never take it any deeper or let it land and grow and grow roots like that's that that's that seed that gets tossed out into the in the ditch and the birds eat it and take it away that's second hand revelation if it doesn't find a place in good soil to get rooted down deep in your heart then there is no point in even having it because it's not gonna last the first time the trials come the sun comes up it'll burn it away the first time it has to encounter soil that's got a little bit of its past in it, the rocky soil that it has to deal with that hasn't been uh, cultivated as well as the rest of the stuff, it won't be able to get roots, and it'll get shallow, and then it'll get washed away with the, with the water the first time a flood comes, or the birds will pick it away. But if you can let the word find root in your heart, and you can have revelation that's your own, and by the way, revelation is the only way that you get to become what God intended you to be. It's not service. It's not salvation. Salvation is a byproduct of revelation because you can't have salvation without revelation. How do you accept Christ without knowing who he is and how do you know who he is unless somebody preached to you? The Bible says. Isaiah says that he called us and he made us for his glory. And I'll I'll do the theological math for you. The algebra equation that is God being glorified from people who can't bring glory is that God is full of glory. The Bible says he can't get better. He's the most good. He's the greatest. He's the highest call. The Bible would call that holy. He can't get better. So there's no way for us to add to his glory. Where he becomes more glorified among us is in the places where we don't know he's gloried yet. So when those places get revealed, our expansive knowledge of who he is and what he's done becomes bigger. God doesn't get more glorious. We become more aware. So where revelation happens, glory abounds. But secondhand revelation... It's pawn shop glory. It belonged to someone else and is now getting sold at a discount. This has to be for you and you have to own it. Because second hand revelation is always the easiest to manipulate. Because both people were standing there. The Bible says that Adam was with her. But he didn't come to Adam. Because Adam had revelation. He knew, yes, God did say. And what that tells me is the place where you have the least amount of revelation is the easiest target for the enemy. And also the place where you have the least amount of identity. If you haven't taken the the time to intentionally purpose and name your children, then you might want to think so because guess what? That's the easiest place for the enemy to get at your house. If you haven't had a if if you don't have a pet name for your wife, you better get one and it better have some purpose. And it better and it better have some identity tied up in it because if you start saying that name over and over, if you rename your wife with her purpose and intention and you start saying that over and over and over, you build a hedge of protection around her the Bible would say. Genesis 3:20 is a really amazing verse. We just skipped 19 verses. I'm going to tell you what happened in the 19 verses. God comes. He says, where are you guys at? They're hiding. He says, why did you hide? Adam said, because we were naked. By the way, he didn't say we hid because we ate of the fruit. He said we're naked. When you don't have glory. The only thing left is shame. He did, he does not, he doesn't confess his sin. He confesses his shame. He thinks that's going to get him by, but it doesn't because God doesn't care about the shame. He wants to address the sin because if he can restore you from the sin, the shame will disappear. And we spend a lot of time just confessing shame. You can do that in therapy, but that's not what the altar's for. The altar's to take care of your sin. If you get rid of the sin, you'll need less therapy. Now, I believe therapy. Like, listen, I, you need a doctor to talk to you sometimes. You need somebody. The Bible says there's wisdom and multitude of counsel. But if that counsel's not dealing with the sin, then you need the altar, not another couch. But God comes to him and he says, where where are you at, Adam? And he says, I'm here, I'm hiding. God, this woman that you gave me ate of the tree and gave me some. And he says, is that true? And she said, well, the serpent that you created, God, this is all your fault, you know. Also, not surprised, God isn't. Shocked by this at all. He says, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. Mr. Snake, from now on, we're going to kill you. You're going to crawl on your belly. You're going to eat dust for a living. And uh, men are going to hate you. And the Son of Man is going to bruise your head. He's gonna, You're going to bruise his heel. We're going we're to smash your head. The, the son, of, son of Man is coming, and he's going to take all of this problem, this dime store revelation out of, the, out of the picture, and he's going to tell people the truth. And not only is he going to tell people the truth, but he's going to give somebody and give the world this thing called the Holy Spirit, and its job is going to be to lead and guide us in all truth so that now you have access to all revelation, so that you can have all glory so now you can be put back into original intent. Wow. Wow. This is God explaining this in Genesis 3. Again, God's, our plan B is God's plan A, because he's not surprised. So then this is, this is what Genesis 20 says. I finally got to it. Are y'all surprised? I'm not. Uh, Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. This is an amazing, amazing verse. What did God say to Adam in two? Adam, call everything to you. When you look at it, whatever you call it, that's what it'll be. Whatever you call it, that's what it'll be. And then God says, Eve, from now on, you're going to have painful childbirth. It's, it's gonna, and you're going to have many children. So not only is this going to be a painful experience, but you're going to be able to do it a lot. And then Adam looks at her and goes, no, I'm going to bless her. Wow. And God honors Adam's call. You know, children started as a curse, right? I know parents say amen. Children started as a curse. And Adam said, no, no, no. I'm going to call it this, and whatever I call it, God said it'll be. So I'm going to take this curse, and I'm going to call it a blessing. And then every time the Bible mentions children from this point on, God says they're a blessing. They'll be like arrows in the quill of a hunter. Like God even honors Adam's word and then changes his word to match up with Adam because he gave Adam dominion here just like he's given you dominion here. And if you can't change a name today, then it'll keep going, but it will not be God's fault. It'll be yours. Adam called his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all living. Not all men, all living. She would begin to produce life. They were already living. She was, there were already men. Were, she was going to make the living. She was going to produce life. Here's some, here's some times in the Bible that the name changes, that people change their name. God looked at Jacob and said, You're a trick. His name literally meant trick. You're a trickster, Jacob, but I need you to be a prince. So I'm going to make you Israel. I'm going to have to hurt you to do it. I'm going to have to wound you so badly that you'll limp for the rest of your life. I'm going to, I'm going to have to hurt you. I'm going to have to physically wrestle this out of you, Jacob. Abram became Abraham because of his faithfulness. Hosea became Joshua. We, we just know people's names, right? Joshua. but you, Joshua's name wasn't Joshua. But he needed courage, so somebody named him that. One of my favorite verses in all of Genesis is in Genesis 35 when Benjamin gets his name because his mother dies as she's giving birth right after and she names him Ben-Oni, son of my pain. And she passes away and his father says, no, nah, that name's not going to do. And he says, I'm going to name him Benjamin, the son of my right hand. Can you remember, can you imagine being named the son of my pain all, like your mother's death hanging over you? What, what kind of therapy bill he would have had? But instead, he grew up with a father's blessing. Every time somebody said his name, he knew he was the son of his father's right hand. Jesus had a habit of doing it too. He called Andrew and John, and he called them the sons of thunder. He changed their names. The Bible, that wasn't a nickname. The Bible says he called them this name. The disciples changed names. Paul, Paul's name was Saul. Simon became Peter because Simon was not going to be able to be a rock in the face of hardship. He was not going to be able to lead. He was already shown that he would waver just like reed, with like, a, like, a, like a wavy reed in a marsh, because that's what Simon means. And Jesus said, nah, that won't do. I'm going to rename you. I'm going to rename you. My my feeling as I've talked to people and reached out to people and just my ministry experience and the thing I see most often derail the lives of the people around me is not the sin they're in. But it's the trauma that happened because of sin they used to do. I, I, don't, I rarely see somebody that's like, I'm in the middle of all this and I really just need to change. No. But I do see people walking around with limps all the time. And I just can't, I, you know, I, just, I, I don't know that I can, I can trust God anymore because that pastor I had at our last church, you won't believe what he called me. No, I believe what he called you. I'm shocked that you believe what he called you, because you're now living out what he called you. Do you, know, do you know how many people that I've counseled and and Kelly has counseled where you know my my dad always said this about me. My dad my dad just always called me names. He always said I was stupid. Always said I was. My, at a, I'll tell the story of Kelly's going to be mad uh, I was talking to my nine year old last night and I said buddy he, was, he, was, he likes to talk about serious deep things when he doesn't want to go to bed and last night was one of those nights and he's, he's a brilliant nine year old very very smart uh, but in a very very specific way a lot like his daddy he doesn't want to pay attention to anything so Kelly had had a conversation with me a couple of weeks ago. And she was like, I'm, I'm worried Elliot might need to get checked out for like ADD. I, mean, I think he's just having concentration problems. And I was like, okay. She goes, and I know you don't treat yours and you have feelings about that. So I'm telling you, I want to get him whatever. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We can, we can be in agreement on that. I didn't realize that she had talked to him about it. Because he's nine and we talk to our kids like they're adults. And so he came into my room last night, and he said, Daddy, I love you. I said, what do you, what's going on your mind, buddy? You could tell right away. He just wears everything on his face. And he said, well, Mommy said I need to go get checked for ADD, and she was going to get me some medicine that would help me concentrate, and I'm just thinking about that. And he just didn't want to go to bed. He ain't worried about it at all. And my wife is also very holistic, so she's talking about some like gummies that'll help him concentrate. Yeah, some essential oils probably. Some other sort of voodoo she's doing. I don't know. She's probably <laughs> burning sage in his room. And I'm sorry, babe. She doesn't do any of that crazy stuff. The oils, though, for real. Uh, looks like the Exxon Valdez just parked at our house every time I walk in it because there's oil everywhere, but whatever. Oil is in the house. But I told Elliot last night, I said, buddy, you don't have ADD. He's like, but mommy said. I said, yeah, but what mommy said doesn't matter. What daddy's saying is you don't have it. You don't have ADD. And that's exactly what I said to him too. So sorry, babe. Uh, You don't have it. I said, it might be that you're bored. It might be that you're not interested in what you're doing. And man, do I get that. Math's not always fun. And, you know, there's better things to think about. And so maybe you're thinking about that, but you don't have ADD. And he just went to bed. Now, he probably hasn't. But I'm not going to tell him. Because if I tell him, he'll be it. I'm not going to name him. You know what his name is? His name is Elliot Jace. Elliot, the Lord is my God. Jace, healer. The Lord is my God, and I am his healer. That's what I want him to know. Because out of all the kids, he's got the the strongest and most evident calling. And I just, like, y'all, he just got baptized two weeks ago. And he had to be he had to be 10 to be baptized. And he just he's about to turn 10 in November, so our church was baptizing. And Kelly's on staff at that church. And so we you know, they let us go ahead and do it because he was super excited about it. And uh, he'd given his heart to the Lord a year ago at school, and he was always asking, and we were just like, next time, next time we'll ask, we'll ask. And so finally we knew before he did, and Kelly called him upstairs and she was she was online and uh, on the registration on our website. And she let him register and let him hit submit. And the Holy Spirit hit this kid. And he cried for 45 minutes. And he came downstairs, and I'm watching a game. I'm laying on a couch, and he comes downstairs, and I thought somebody, I thought his older brother had beat him up or something. He's sobbing. And I go, buddy, what's wrong? What happened? I'm freaked out. I'm panic mode. I'm trying to figure out who I'm going to murder. And he goes, I'm just so happy. And he just cried. And he laid on my chest and he cried for 20 minutes. He's got, I just want him to know that he is the Lord. The Lord is his God and he is his healer. That's what his namesake requires. And I'll never call him anything but that. I prayed on the way up here that God, this would be yeah go ahead I prayed on the way up here that this would be a day where we get new names Kelly said yesterday she goes you know that even helps me because I don't I feel funny introducing myself as pastor she goes so I just tell everybody I'm Kelly but if I don't tell them I'm a pastor how are they going to know that they can get spiritual good from me the name is important. The title doesn't matter. I mean, title titles never matter. Because titles are names given to you by men. But the name that beats on the inside of you, Son, Beloved, Beautiful. Helper, Encourager, Strong, Child, Protector. Those names don't come from men, they can only come from the place of a father. why God relates to us that way first those are also his names by the way when the prodigal comes home the father says go get the best robe his robes he didn't have just good, good spare robes the best robes were his robes And he dressed the prodigal son as he would dress himself. The Bible says that he is clothed in righteousness. And that's the first thing he puts on us. It's the first name he gives us. He makes us righteous. I prayed today that we would get new names, that today would be the start of a future because you would hear him call you anew. I prayed that we would forever be done with second-hand revelation, that nothing that we get from someone else would be good enough for us anymore. You know, Sunday's not the day to come here and get the word. Some days, Sunday's the day to come here and learn something you may not have known about the word so that you can now go home and make that your own. I pray that we would never again trade intention for definition because they're not the same. And that we would realize that whatever trial that we are walking through God intentionally walked us into you know he told Joseph had that revelation when his brothers came and they were worried that he was going to kill them he said no 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 what you intended for evil God intended for good You thought you he didn't say what you intended for evil, God worked out for good. He said what you intended for evil, God intended also, but his intention was good, and his intention perseveres where man's intentions fall sideways. So I'm gonna pray over you. This this isn't like I said, I wasn't gonna shout today. I think I kept it to a minimum. This isn't some messy altar call moment i don't believe i i i think that there is work to be done beyond the walls of the church today i believe it's as simple as getting a new name and hearing the voice of god speak i believe it is as difficult as unraveling years and years and years of an identity crisis everything that's simple isn't easy and everything that's hard isn't complex so I'm going to pray for us I'm going to turn it back over to your pastor and then we'll go on about our day Jesus we thank you for your presence in this place God I'm grateful for the word for the fact that it means so much to so many that it goes out and it doesn't return void that it is leave it living and breathing and that, and that we see it differently every time we read it because we're not really reading it it's really reading us Pray that you would equip me for the calling, and that God you would guide them into their futures. It's in your hands, just like Jesus, in your hands we commit our spirits. It's in, it's in your hands we commit ourselves, our lives. We put them in your hands, Lord. We know that a calling is just predetermined obedience. So, God, we say yes now to whatever that means, to whatever journey it takes to unravel it, to, to, to find out who we really are, to whatever journey it takes to uncover it and unearth it and, and unbury it and resurrect it, to whatever that means, we say yes. And to wherever it takes us, we say yes. Lord, we love you. Bless these people. I love them. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, Visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.